G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. You might have your own impressions of where things are at with the voice referendum. We're all off to the polls tomorrow to cast our yes or no vote. It's been a long and at times not so friendly campaign since the Prime Minister announced the referendum earlier this year. Australians have been divided. The Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities have been divided and Christians have been divided over whether to vote yes or no. Three special guests to uh, to introduce to be a part of our conversation over this next hour. Brooke Prentice is a Waka Waka woman, writer and speaker and nationally recognised Aboriginal and Christian leader. Brooke is coordinator of what's called the Grass Tree Gathering, deepening relationships between Christian leaders. And two more guests, pastors Norman and Barbara Miller. They're from Cairns in North Queensland. Pastor Norman Miller is from the Jiribal, Barbaram and Tableland Yadinji peoples of the north. He's a long-time campaigner for recognition of Indigenous people in the Constitution. He handed what is called the Miller Boomerang Petition to Federal Parliament in 2013 and 2016 with over 5,000 signatures and that boomerang was part of an exhibition at the Museum of Australian Democracy in Canberra. Pastors Norman and Barbara Miller are founders of the Centre for International Reconciliation and Peace. Barbara Miller is the author of over a dozen books. Her latest is entitled Voice, Treaty, Truth. Has the Christian voice been heard? Uh, Let me say some special welcomes. Uh, First of all, to Brooke Prentice, a special welcome back to 2020 to you. Yeah, wonderful to be here. And to Pastor Norman and Pastor Barbara Miller. Uh, Norman, welcome to you. Good morning, Neil, and to your listeners on Vision Christian Radio. And uh, to Barbara Miller. Barbara, a special welcome along to you. Thank you so much, Neil. Uh, The Lord bless you and all your listeners. Let me come to Brooke first here, uh, just for some overall impressions. I mean, it's been a long journey. Here we are. Tomorrow, Aussies are off to vote. Uh, Let me get some impressions on how the campaign has gone in your view, Brooke. Yeah, so my position has been one of education and uh, particularly for Christians and making sure uh, that they knew what the question was, what this referendum's about, about the voices and leadership of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Uh, Over the last six years from the Uluru Statement from the Heart being delivered to the Australian peoples, but much longer, uh, going back uh, decades, if not uh, two centuries, uh, and... uh, calling on our nation to listen with love and compassion to each other. Um, So that's not about a yes and no. It's about a Christian uh, practice and behaviour of listening with love and compassion as Jesus inspires us to and to uh, love your Aboriginal neighbour as yourself, Jesus' second greatest commandment. Sadly, what I've seen, and I actually have in the last 18 months and even the last uh, two weeks, 
have been to many, um, well, every state and territory. Uh, and so I've seen both uh, non-Indigenous uh, Christian communities, non-Indigenous secular communities. I've spoken to a lot of corporate organisations uh, and also uh, a lot of Aboriginal people, Aboriginal Christian leaders and uh, traditional owners who aren't Christian leaders. Some of them are Christian leaders. And so, you know, having that position of just listening with love and compassion has really um, uh, helped to just see where we are as a nation. Uh, There's still, uh, well, I was quite shocked in some of the corporate settings um, and the church settings that many Australians had not read the Uluru Statement from the Heart or even knew about it. I don't necessarily agree with everything that's in the Statement from the Heart, but it's the voices of 250 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian, uh, sorry, 250 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders. Uh, there was not consensus, which um, some in the Yes campaign have kind of alluded to. There were people that walked out of that uh, statement from the Hearts um, Declaration and that gathering at Uluru. But it's an important document in Australia's history. Um, and it's one page that people should have read before going to this referendum. So sadly, I- I've seen uh, just the lack of understanding of who we are as Aboriginal peoples. I have seen the racism. I've experienced personal racial attacks as well as um, trying to do to uh, see everything, but also the love in the Aboriginal community. And I don't call it division. I say, particularly with Aboriginal uh, peoples, I say it's a diversity of opinion. It's much more honouring because it's not just a straight yes and no. There's yeses and there's like 20 variations of yeses and there's noes and there's 20 variations of noes. And to actually understand where people are coming from, you actually have to sit together and listen with love and compassion. And we can't do that while we're shouting at each other. This is what I consistently hear. Uh, Foundations of Love and Compassion comes from a Christian focus on the debate. Not everyone is Christian in the debate. And we might even question whether the Christian voice has been heard at the level we would hope it would have been heard. And I'll certainly be talking to Barbara about that. But Norman, uh, let me come to you for your overall impressions so far as to how this campaign has been run. How are you feeling at this time? Oh, Neil, if you um, just would allow me, I would just like to, um, I'm feeling the compassion, uh, what's happening in another part of the world uh, right now. Um, Things have been just so, so hard, especially for the nation of Israel. So my thoughts and prayers are for the Jewish and Palestinian um, people. Uh, especially a lot of the civilians that have been caught in these crossfires. So my heart and prayers, and I know all Australians and Christians, and even if people aren't, um, don't have that faith level, they they are praying and their thoughts are for what's happening right now. So, you know, we have a lot of friends, of Jewish friends in our own nation. And Australia is a wonderful nation. It is one of the second multicultural nations to Israel. And so, Neil, my thoughts and prayers do go out for the nation of Israel um, right now. Uh, also, as I said, for to the Palestinians and um, a lot of the civilians um, that have been caught in what's happening. Norman, I think know, that uh, all, you know, all listeners Australia. are going to be on the same page uh, with you mm. there. Mm. And uh, mm. we might even 
be able to have a reflection of just how uh, disturbing it might be that this has erupted over this past week uh, and uh, taken the focus in some sense away from what is the important conversation we're into today around the voice and uh, certainly our compassion is towards uh, all of those uh, certainly those Israelis who have suffered at the hands of a terrorist organisation um, the, 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 the debate though uh, around the voice Norman you've been a long campaigner and I know there's some different nuances on the way you see all of this um, how are you feeling about the voice as the campaign has developed to this point mm. yeah no look thanks Neil um, but if I just get back to that, just that quick point that I'll make is Australia is a Judeo-Christian nation. So they're the values um, that we must um, keep um, and they are biblical. And, you know, those, those are the things of, of the principles. It was why Barbara, uh, myself, um, writ, why Barbara wrote the book, because if they, she felt the Lord laid it upon her heart. Um, and my, even myself, and I know that there are many other indigenous people uh, right through our nation, whether they're Christians or not, but there's a level of faith and hope and, and love, and we know that Jesus said the greatest of these is, is his love. But getting back to when you look at those three uh, wordings that is in the uh, this referendum is the voice and the treaty and the truth. Now, when we look at it in that way, especially importantly as a Christian and, and our values a Judeo-Christian nation, that we hear the voice of many people in our own communities, indigenous, non-indigenous, we hear the voices of the, the lonely, of those that are homeless. We hear the voices of black and white Australians, those who are going through hardships, especially the cost of living. When we also, importantly, that when we as Christians on that spiritual level, that the important voice as a First Nation is to put God first in everything. And uh, that's most importantly where I'm coming from, is I put God first before I put any titles to as a First Nation people or anything like that, because God must come first in everything we do. So the importance of those three words, voice, treat and truth, is listening to the voice of the Lord. And uh, Brooke, uh, you know, mentioned that, the this, this scriptural that where Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And when we look at the, the treaty and those other two words of truth, we look at treaty, it's, it's biblical. It was where Abraham and Abimelech made a treaty. And that's their right in the book there of Genesis. But also that last word is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So when you have, when you as a nation of Judeo-Christian nations, and I'm, I'm just so... Um, blessed that you know because of God's amazing grace and there have been lives of all Australians but indigenous Australians that you know when they've come from uh, that side of, of of the dark world that we've all walked in but when they've come to know the light things have changed things are transformed and it's given us a better life of going forward and forward in, in, in Christ so Neil, there's, as I said, there's a lot of things that um, I think it's important. If it doesn't have, if the nation doesn't have those Christian values there in it, uh, and especially the, the biblical principles, which is which is what I stand on, which is many um, Australians stand on, uh, as, a, as a Christian family, 
we stand on all those uh, principles there of God. If we didn't have those foundations, it's like a house divided against itself cannot stand. We have these uh, Christian foundations uh, that arrived uh, with the First Fleet and uh, they have shaped our nation since that time. Uh, Let me come to you, Barbara. Uh, Some insight here because your new book is called Voice Treaty Truth. Uh, Has the Christian voice been heard? I wonder if you've got an impression about where the debate is and and certainly the urgency that you've noted uh, to get your book out before the actual vote tomorrow. Uh, Thoughts here from you, Barbara? Yes, look, uh, I would say that this book is a miracle. Okay, it's not perfect because it was written in two weeks and the Lord really put it on my heart that I needed to do it and some people will take two years to do uh, write a book so two weeks is amazing and I just felt the the unction of the Lord that I needed to to do it Um, really as a warning um, to this nation particularly to Christians in this nation uh, not to go down the wrong track and uh, I actually, I know it sounds rather dramatic, but I felt um, with regard to the warning of um, Ezekiel, that if you don't bring the warning when you are a watchman, then blood is on your hands. And Norman and I had a prophetic word over 25 years ago that we are watchmen over the nation in the area of reconciliation. Now, I appreciate all books work for reconciliation and others too. But that was the impetus for this um, book and I put a lot of um, prayer and research into it and my activism of over 50 years in Aboriginal affairs uh, certainly comes out in the book as well. Let's take some calls. Let's first of all hear from Lawrence in Perth, Western Australia. Hi Lawrence, welcome along. Oh, thanks for the discussion this morning. Uh, my call's about the term truth-telling and what's called the stolen generation. It seems to come across that the sole reason for missions to go into Aboriginal lands was to steal their children from their families. Nothing comes across about raising living standards, health care, Christian witness and being alive to Aboriginal culture. That's my comment and question. Okay, let me come to Brooke Prentice on this issue. Uh, Brooke, your thoughts for Lawrence? Yeah, so uh, the reality of the stolen generations, um, uh, I I guess uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, things to think through here, is there's the historical stolen generations and then the rates of removal of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children today, of which some of our people refer to as the new stolen generations. Uh, We actually have more children, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, in out-of-home care uh, today um, than any time during those historical practices, uh, which were legislated and the practices of the missions as well to run those stolen generations' homes. Um, I was recently in Ongana country in Adelaide and stood at the Colebrook Reconciliation Park, which was one of the Stolen Generations home where Arnie Luitro Donoghue, um, a former Australian of the Year, uh, was she was placed uh, in that Stolen Generations home. And we were there with Uncle Alan Edwards, whose mother, um, Ava Scale Edwards, was in Colebrook. And uh, there's great Aboriginal Christian leaders like Uncle Clyde Rigney, uh, who was there at the Colebrook Reconciliation Park, 
when I was a pastor um, just over uh, 11 years ago, uh, I had uh, a member of our congregation who was at Kinchilla Boys Home. So with the Stolen Generations, and I run a prayer service on National Sorry Day um, uh, each year, particularly in schools, and I do it as a form of truth-telling, uh, which is how you started your question, and that uh, the truth-telling is that, sadly, Jesus and the Bible were used as tools of abuse towards many of our peoples and particularly the Stolen Generations. But on the other hand, many of our uh, peoples, members of the Stolen Generations, have found their healing and hope in Jesus. And that's the beautiful miracle. But I think, again, it comes back to those principles of listening with love and compassion, knowing that the Stolen Generations did occur. Children were removed for no other purpose but that they were Aboriginal um, and often that their skin was a whiter colour. And for me, that was sadly, in some instances, sadly, many of our Aboriginal women were raped. Um, And Barbara, in one of her books about William Cooper, even talks about some of these instances. And that's why our Aboriginal women ended up with white babies. And so sadly, some of it was to hide white man's sin. But we don't look at that history with a condemnation. It's just part of the truth-telling. And for me, that's that Bible passage, the truth will set us free. Jesus, Creator God, Holy Spirit, has seen all and been part of all of what has happened in the last 250 years, what is happening today, and what will happen in the future. And we're all part of that story. Puts a major focus on how we interpret the Bible, because a misinterpretation and the use of the Bible as a tool, as a weapon that can be used against people, uh, that's a challenging thing. Uh, thank you for bringing that out, Brooke. And thank you, Lawrence, for raising that issue today. one 316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Wayne is in Perth in Tasmania. Hello, Wayne. Welcome. Oh, How are you? Very well. Just uh, turn your radio down in the background there, Wayne. Okay. Always remember to turn your radio down. Yep, sorry. Now, what are your thoughts, Wayne? Um, well, my understanding is um, that I'm going to... We're giving the Aboriginals a, um, a, a voice to say... To just, well, I'm not really sure exactly what... What are we saying yes and no to? Okay. Exactly. Can you keep it simple? Let me come to Barbara on this. Uh, people are saying, what are we saying yes or no to? There's still a lot of people in the community who are very unaware of the facts here. Um, thoughts here, Barbara, as your response for Wayne? Yes. So uh, basically what's happening tomorrow is um, we're voting for a change in the Constitution of Australia which would put a new um, chapter um, in the Constitution um, that would recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, through a voice to parliament and executive government. Um, basically, what it's doing is creating a fourth arm of government. We have the uh, parliament, we have the uh, executive, which is the public service, and we have the judiciary, which is the courts. Um, this um, gives uh, an extra um arm of government in a sense um, with uh, quite significant um, powers. Um, uh, The Prime Minister keeps saying um, it's an advisory body. The word advice is not there in the um, 
uh, at all in, in that uh, clause that would be put in there. Um, we do risk uh, having, uh, because people don't know what is going to be happening with the voice which may be unelected uh, until a lot after the uh, vote if it gets up. Um, we're virtually giving um, the government a, uh, a blank check to kind of work out what the voice will do and we could have high court um, cases in relation to sorting all of that out. It's going to take, if it gets up, it'll take a long time to sort out. I don't believe um, that it's going to be a good thing for First Nations people um, because it's uh, going to divide them. It has already in the same way that, you know, I supported the Native Title Act in 1993, but I see the divisions even in our own city all over the nation that that has caused. I'm afraid this is going to do the same um, by creating a, whether you call it a race-based, ancestry-based, um, heritage-based um, or uh, who came to the nation first based, it is um, a, a body for 3.8% of the people which is going to be able to make decisions um, for the whole nation, recommendations of course, um, but you know we, we have to be very um, aware of, of what is happening. Uh, thank you so much to Wayne in Perth in Tasmania. Uh, let me just uh, come to you, Brooke, just uh, for a very brief uh, moment. I noticed you were shaking your head a little uh, as Barbara's talking about that, uh, about the thought of a, uh, a, you know, a fourth tier of government. Um, what are your perspectives on that? Yeah, so firstly back to the, the question that Wayne had. The only question being asked of the Australian people is this is a proposed law to alter the Constitution to recognise the First Peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve this proposed alteration? That is it. And that's what I'm asking people because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And sadly, um, Barbara, I'm, I'm sorry to, to say this, I do believe there's misinformation in what Barbara's just um, told us. Uh, but I'm asking people, you look at that question because there's so much misinformation out there uh, all around. That's not just a criticism of the No campaign. You have to look at that question. What does your heart and mind tell you your answer to that question is? And if you are a Christian, which many of our listeners will be, uh, then it's how will you love your Aboriginal neighbour as yourself with this question? Um, and and that's no criticism or trying to project anything on anyone. The pieces of misinformation, this is definitely not a fourth arm of government. Uh, some Aboriginal people wish it was. <laughs> uh, and that's part of why they're actually voting no, because they some people have referred to it as a toothless tiger. It doesn't go far enough. Um, others... Uh, you know, the voice to Parliament, um, the three parts of the constitutional amendment are, one, there shall be a body. Two, it will be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice may make representations to the Parliament and Executive on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. That's it. They can't add, um, uh, give uh, make representations on anything. It's actually not even advice. The reason the word advice isn't in there, and, and I listened to all of the parliamentary inquiry what, that went into this, uh, remembering that this amendment has already passed through Parliament. Peter Dutton actually voted for it, as did many other members of the Liberal Party. 
uh, and that um, they didn't put advice in there because they felt that that would mean the parliament and executive had to ask for advice, which is not what the intent is, uh, which is also why Aboriginal people don't think it goes far enough, some Aboriginal people. And then the third point is the parliament... Uh, will be responsible for the composition, functions, powers and procedures. And so uh, this is how, sadly, people don't really quite understand how a democracy and parliament and legislation and constitution actually work. You don't put the detail around its composition now. We have the referendum. Then that's the parliament's responsibility. The constitution and the referendum is the Australian people's responsibility. It's the parliament's responsibility for the rest. And I encourage people to make sure they've read the voice design principles. There are eight uh, principles, uh, and that includes that it's independent advice uh, chosen by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It will be representative. It's accountable and transparent. It doesn't have a program delivery function. So when people say about a blank check, this has got nothing to do with funding. There is no program delivery function, and that's very important. And it doesn't have a veto power, the parliament's. Following through from a little bit of disagreement we had just before the news uh, around the voice and whether it will be something of a a fourth tier of government. And I did want to give Barbara a a little opportunity to reply to some comments made by Brooke. So, uh, Barbara, your thoughts uh, around uh, Brooke and her uh, appreciation of where things look. Yes, look, um, basically um, the charge against the no case of misinformation and disinformation is really a red herring when you can't answer um, the question. Um, This is thrown out as a way of silencing people and stopping the conversation. So I know that uh, Brooke is coming from a good place in her heart, but, um, you know, this is something that's been happening regularly. Um, in our national debate, so I want to call that out. I also um, want to um, make the point that while that particular um, part of the the question that we're meant to be voting on um, only mentions the voice, the government is, and also the uh, people on the voice promoting that, are committed to the full Uluru Statement, which is Voice Treaty Truth. So it is a three-part package, and the voice is just the part of that. And Megan Davis and others, and Noel Pearson have said consistently that, um, well, Noel has said, okay, the voice is the first door, then we go to treaty, the second door. Um, We've had Megan saying, uh, Megan Davis, one, one of the other architects of the voice, that it will be a game government that does not Um, follow through and implement what The Voice um, recommends. She also says it is a power um, transfer and what they're really looking for is co-sovereignty and co-governance and uh, reparations. So we need to be aware of that. Um, Look, I I know that um, reparations are biblical, as Norman has said before. Treaties are biblical. Truth-telling is biblical. Um, but, you know, we, we don't um, want truth-telling coming out as a propaganda either. Um, we need to have um, real truth-telling. I've written a book on secrets and lies uh, that is about the, um, the hidden history of Australia, so I'm well aware of it. I've been, um, all my life, I've been trying to get out 
what the truth of our history in Australia is. So I am not afraid of that truth. I want that truth to come out, but I also want it to be recognised um, that, you know, uh, um, we don't want um, our children, um, we don't want the, the um, non-Indigenous people of Australia to be filled with shame, filled with white guilt, and feeling that they can never atone for it because Jesus has atoned for the sins of our nation. No one else can do that. Okay, let's move on and take some more calls and we'll see if we can get through some calls as quickly as we can. Anna is in Albany in WA. Hi, Anna, welcome along. Hi, good morning, everybody. Look, um, clearly, as everybody has stated, I think that the majority of Australian people aren't opposed to um, some betterment for the Indigenous. Um, the fact that taxpayers give billions of dollars every year that goes into Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island uh, organisations, um, I think is a clear picture that, you know, most of us are not racist. And that goes in both ways. But I think to expect the Australian people to give a yes vote on something that is not even clear. I don't even think the Prime Minister knows what it's about by a young gentleman who clearly states his allegiance to communism, which is anti-Christian, um, and quite openly states that, I, I think we'd be doing ourselves a great injustice and the Aboriginal people because it all comes down to a power play by the corporations that will eventually have the control because our government will no longer have the control, particularly if it goes into the executive government. Anna, we you're making some good points there. Uh, let me come to Brooke for a response here because, uh, interestingly, uh, Barbara's book, uh, is all about has the Christian voice been heard? Uh, you're mentioning various ones that come from certainly that Marxist uh, communist uh, perspective. Uh, the Christian voice in all of this, uh, you've got a big Christian voice across Christian leaders, Brooke Prentice. Um, the Christian voice does seem to have been drowned out by some other different ideologies, doesn't it? Uh, I think the Aboriginal Christian voice has been drowned out, but I think the non-Indigenous Christian voice has been given a, a profile, particularly around uh, the voice um, uh, and the referendum during this time. So, uh, you know, I've been invited onto panels um, over the last six months. Uh, mainly they were non-Indigenous male panels and I was the one Aboriginal voice and the only female voice. Um, and some of them were politicians that the Christian churches put on there. And uh, when I said you needed a, a balance um, uh, on the panel, uh, and I wasn't uh, a yes, I was a uh, neutral position, I was disinvited from those panels, um, which is sad that the churches have chosen politicians and non-Indigenous people over Aboriginal people and Christians. Uh, so that's part of, of what has happened. But I think also I sit here as a chartered accountant, one of only 30 Indigenous chartered accountants in all of Australia. I've had a very successful finance um, career. But I put that together with what the Bible teaches me. And Jesus talks so much about economic justice. And sadly, one of the things that's out there is that Aboriginal peoples are getting $40 billion. It's actually not true. Um, that $40 billion is the same uh, 
distribution, that's for hospitals, schooling and education and those sorts of things, the same things non-Indigenous peoples, government money is allocated towards. People don't understand that. Um, and uh, so there's not $40 billion. I've never received one cent from the government for being Aboriginal. We don't get free houses. We don't get free cars. Uh, we don't get a free education. Um, Oz study, Ab study, the same amount of money. And so, uh, but I look at the biblical passage of about Zacchaeus and uh, I hope that some... Uh, well, Christians see through the mistruths of this $40 billion um, and what they think Aboriginal people get from the government and actually look, as a Christian, what does Jesus call for economic justice mean? Uh, let me come to Norman, uh, Pastor Norman Miller. Uh, thoughts from you around uh, economic justice, uh, reparations, those sorts of Issues that will be afoot, whether there is a yes or a no vote tomorrow. These things, you know, these things will be continually uh, moving forward. Uh, uh, Norman, what are your thoughts? Well, there's there's things that I would have to disagree with um, Brooke, well, and and disagree. Um, there is there is a lot of finances that that have been given to Indigenous Aboriginal people, and. Um, I'm a business person there as well. 27 years I've had my gallery. I'm not government funded. Um, people will walk past my gallery and think this Murray Fully, he must be government handout. I'm probably one of the longest gallery owners, locally owned. I don't even own, I don't even have to go and give money back to the bank or anything like that because I never borrowed. I know where, I know where, where, where you have, where you put things biblically and foundationally in through scripture. You, you base everything of the economics on, on the Word of God. Uh, and and that's, that's so important. It's just like when you tithe, you, people have a different understanding of whether they tithe in their own, own uh, congregations or whether they give that 10% to people that, that, are, that, are, that are going, you know, whether it's third world country or within our own, um, within our own nation amongst uh, communities, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. There's a lot of good goodwill that's been done by the government of Australia, finances that we see happening even in Pacific nations. So our government has been very, very generous. What we what we look at when we look, uh, Brooke mentioned the word of, of justice and there's, there's the justice there of God, which are of his foundation, because that's what he says, justice and righteousness are the foundations of my throne. Love and faithfulness go before me. And they they are the standing. So when we look at the word justice, it's the justice of God. It's not the world's justice system where there is anger or bitterness or, or resentment or, or all those things. But there's the justice. That's the marriage. Those two words. It's just like uh, my wife and I, 32 years of marriage, and we just keep falling in love. And, and uh, you know, that's that's the importance that when God gave us the mandate to, to over this nation to stand in the areas of, of you know, uh, reconciliation, I think that's so important. But as, as I get back to this, that there has been, there has been um, uh, Indigenous, just like non-Indigenous uh, uh, governments, people that's working in governments. And, you know, there, there are, when you look at uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, they've risen, just like Brooke and like myself and many others. We only just, we just a number of those of 3.8% of, of our nation. 
but we where we've gone from gone from from nothing to where we are i know what it's like to to come from a community i lived in a, in a bush in an outback but now that because of the values of my mum and dad what they taught us those things i will never ever forget where mum and dad brought me from my brothers and sisters to where we are today neil i would also just like to just take the point in in mentioning about um the stolen generation my grandfather my grandfather thomas miller who's now gone gone home uh, to be with the lord he was a part of that stolen generation now one of the things about that he worked he, he lived with a family uh, a, a white family that helped him my grandfather was a journalist and uh, he, he was taught those ways so it never it never had kept him in bondage he wanted to just like my own parents mum and dad only went to grade four but that never stopped them from from persevering um and, and going on now when the australian government it was the kevin rudd government there at the time the prime minister in 2008 when he came into office there was those of there and there was a number of coming up from cairns indigenous uh, people coming to parliament we were in parliament when when kevin rudd prime minister said he wanted to make that apology that was bipartisan now there were many thousands of people not only on the grass lawns of parliament house but right there in parliament when the government bipartisan had apologized and he said you know he said the word sorry a lot of people don't know and a lot of christians would not even know that i said we forgive you because see forgiveness is a two-way reconciliation is two-way so if you have those bitterness and all those things that are in your heart, you're not able to forgive. You call, of course, colonization and all those things. You can't just, just go to every library in our nation and just throw them in, 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 in the bin. They are, they are, that's history, but it's how we go on. And, and the questions I'm asking myself, and I think Brooke and Barbara and myself, and all those Christians need to ask themselves, is how do we, how do we move forward in, in this? And That'll be a question that we will be asking uh, after the results of the referendum are known. Which way forward from here? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, good response there. And thank you to Anna in Albany for your call. Let's continue to take some calls. Uh, let's see if we can get through these quickly. Carol is in North Queensland. Hi, Carol. Hello. Carol, just uh, turn your radio down. Yes, Carol, what are your thoughts? I, I have a question. Um, I personally, I know Pastor Norman and Barbara because uh, I'm in Lumba in Queensland. But my question is and thought is that I saw a um, video of a person named Taylor Reid who was in Parliament somewhere there, and she was talking about radical communism and saying we need to get back to radical communism. And look, I'm I'm a Christian, and there's no way I'm waiting for a communism. Let me come to Brooke on this, uh, because this is the challenge, isn't it? When you've had people who are espousing uh, their socialist, uh, communist, uh, even radicalism, uh, for the Christian uh, indigenous person, uh, this is an affront. Uh, thoughts here for Carol uh, from you, Brooke? Look, I think, um, and it's great that you know uh, Pastor uh, Norman and Barbara there, and um, so good to hear from you, Carol. 
And I think part of what people don't realise is as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, we are very diverse. And uh, so, uh, you know, we look at what individuals have said, uh, but I wish uh, more people were just having the everyday conversations with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples uh, in their communities. And... uh, you know, there's much more. Um, Teela Reid uh, has had a, a platform. Um, Thomas Mayo, who we've talked about before as well, they have great things to say as well. And so I guess that's where that call for listening with love and compassion, the same as listening to Jacinta Price and Warren Mundine or Marcia Langton or Noel Pearson. But these are all names that the media have given us, but actually just listening to the people in your community. And I think as Christians, we're called to the community and uh, we're called to that listening with with love and compassion, and so to look beyond um, the headlines. Uh, you know, I'm hugely inspired by William Cooper, who was an Aboriginal Christian leader, and who Barbara has books about, who I've talked before. I love Barbara's books on William Cooper, but he, um, I've read every single one of his letters. They were all published in a book called Thinking Black, and. Um, he even said back, uh, I can't remember the exact date, I think it was late 1930s, said he called on the media to be our friend. Um, and we're still asking the media to be our friend today. And, and when callers are saying they, they don't know what to do, I wish the media had had a decent role as media, as unbiased, factual information. And sadly, that's been missing as well. And so I hope that's meant to be more of an encouragement to everyone. Get to know Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in all our diversity, um, in all our humour, our goodness, our fun. Uh, Some things that we say, I'm sure you've got family members who are non-Indigenous who say um, different things that you don't agree with. And and let's uh, bring it back to the heart of our humanity. Thank you so much to Carol in Queensland taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Yes, yes, Barbara, just very briefly. You know, I'm obviously a big fan of William Cooper and thank you, uh, Brooke, that you've read it. Um, His big thing was the uplift, as he called it, um, of um, Aboriginal people so that they would be um, come out of um, poverty um, and be uh, treated equally in our nation and his petition was for one Aboriginal member of parliament or at least a white person who was sympathetic to Aboriginal people. He would be amazed today to find that there are 11 First Nations people in federal parliament, um, slightly more um, than the percentage of uh, Indigenous people in the population. I think he would be overjoyed. Um, I can't speak for what he really would be thinking today and I don't want to put words in his mouth but just from looking at the spirit of what he said um, I, um, I, I think he would be concerned that we're overturning the um, equality that we have in this nation by um, voting yes in the referendum. And even with Charlie Perkins, an old friend of mine that I knew quite well, um, the freedom rides that he had through New South Wales were just so important in breaking that segregation um, barrier. He was working for um, equality. He wasn't working for special rights. Well, um, but actually... 
Barbara, William Cooper in that petition, and I know that you've read it extensively, but that uh, Aboriginal person uh, that he asked for, and if not a white friend, which shows huge humility, it was to represent us in the federal parliament. So yes, he'd be ecstatic at those 11 uh, parliamentarians that we have today, but he wanted someone, William Cooper in that petition, to represent us. And that's what we don't have because next federal election, we might have no Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander members of parliament. They represent their electorate or their state if they're a senator. They don't represent us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We don't have a representative and the voice doesn't put race into the constitution. It's already in there. And so if people are thinking that's about what brings the um, lack of equality, it's not true. In section 51 of Australia's constitution, the parliament can make special laws for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We are the only peoples that are already pointed out in our constitution, um, and yet there's no voice. I often say, and Neil, I'm sure you'd appreciate this, uh, that as a white man, and and white, um, not necessarily comfortable with that term, but in want of a better term, uh, if special laws were made for white men in Australia, would you want a voice? And I don't have the answer to that question. I'm not white and male. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let's... let's, uh, let's, Norman, just Brooke, very, very quickly. Brooke, could I just ask you this question to comment? Why can I ask why you use the worm, uh, the term "us" when you say "us" and "them"? Is that yeah. uh, sorry? The Isn't "us" that, is actually William Cooper's words in the petition. It us. says to represent us in the federal yeah. parliament. So, well, I actually don't like the term as as you mentioned it, "us." Okay, that, that, that's a good point, Norman. But let's uh, let's squeeze in one more call. Um, Nada is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Nada, welcome along. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to, to participate. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nada? Yeah, I just had a question for yourselves and Christian listeners. Um, you know, obviously, why, why the case for Indigenous people needs to be improved within Australia. My question was uh, that I thought perhaps we need to consider is like if we were to vote yes. Would that open doors, like, you know, Australia being a multicultural society, would that open doors for um, groups within the multicultural society in Australia, such as Muslim communities and gay rights lobbyists, to also then um, partition for a similar type of voice? And is that something that, you know, you think, the listeners think we need to take into serious consideration, you know, because of the, the, the situation with the already decline in the Judeo-Christian values within Australia and us needing a revival within Australian communities? Uh, Nada, I think you're uh, on something here that's already begun. The ball is already rolling. In fact, there was a Christian group, a faith group in New South Wales that were recognised as having some level of uh, having the Premier's ear just uh, recently, the last week or two. And uh, there's now calls for uh, the LGBT community to have its own uh, sort of the voice. So I think there is something, the ball is rolling in that area. Uh, A very, very, like, 22nd uh, thought to hear from you, Brooke, and about those sorts of things uh, for NADA? Yes, I think absolutely not that will happen because it goes back to Section 51 of the Constitution. It's only Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that are made special laws for in the Constitution. And so it doesn't open up the pathway for any other groups. And there's also already many business groups, uh, agricultural groups, mining groups who get a voice um, to the government, to the parliament and to the executive, including our friends at the um, Australian Christian Lobby as well. 
Nada, thank you so much for your call. I will have to put a line under calls. Uh, Barbara, one very quick comment from you. Yes, um, obviously there's lots of lobby group, groups to federal um, government, but they're not in the Constitution. Um, look, I don't know whether it's a danger. I know that's happening in New South Wales. Um, but I want to draw attention to Section 116 of the Constitution, um, and that's about freedom of religion. Now, we can have the voice um, not only opening the door for um, treaty and truth, um, but and, and there's value in that, um, but also opening the door to Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal spirituality, which is... Um, a, uh, an, an earth-based um, religion, um, worshipping Mother Earth, and I would have some difficulty with um, Aboriginal religion and spirituality having special rights um, in our constitution, and I think there's a danger there. Okay, and you know what? Uh, it just demonstrates, doesn't it, uh, that we could have this conversation ongoing for hours over very, very important I would even say crucial issues that as Christians we're interested in. All of the issues of spirituality that we didn't really get time to explore today and maybe there will be time because uh, there will be another opportunity no doubt because there will be things that will happen beyond uh, the referendum vote tomorrow. But we have run out of time today. Just to mention uh, connecting points for our guests today. Uh, Brooke Prentice, as I mentioned, a Waka Waka woman. Uh, she is a nationally recognised Aboriginal and Christian leader. There is a website, brookprentice.com. Brookprentice.com, is that the best way to connect with you, Brooke? Uh, yes, it is, but I just ask people be respectful and come with that heart of love and compassion. And to connect with uh, Pastor Norman and Barbara Miller, there's a website, uh, reconciliationandpeace.org. Uh, Norman also, as he mentioned, an Aboriginal artist, has his own gallery there in Cairns, uh, the au. if you want to check out some of those uh, those uh, those uh, artworks in the gallery, uh, coffee table art book too. Uh, Barbara is a psychologist, a sociologist, mediator, teacher, writer. You can connect with Barbara Miller at barbara-miller.com hyphenbooks.com and to mention Barbara's new book is called Voice Treaty Truth Has the Christian Voice Been Heard? Barbara-Miller-Books.com I'll also mention another book called The Spirit Behind the Voice. You can Google The Spirit Behind the Voice to get a copy. Uh, the Religious Dimension of the Voice Proposal and I had the privilege of contributing a chapter there uh, which I entitled the peacemaker's paradigm uh, looking beyond what was coming with the vote yes or no and how Christians can walk alongside Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as we have done in the past as we do at the moment and we will do into the future so the spirit behind the voice I think that's all the things I need to mention but I must say uh, a special thank you to you Brooke uh, for uh, coming and being in the studio with us today uh, thank you, Neil, and uh, richest blessings on your uh, pastorship, uh, Pastor Norman and Barbara there, and all of your work as well. And uh, uh, prayers for peace uh, for every Aussie as you go into the ballot box, uh, for our nation and for the world. And uh, to Pastor Norman and Barbara Miller, 
thank you so much to the two of you for uh, giving this time today just to enlarge our listeners uh, on these deeper understandings of uh, where you stand on The Voice. Thank you very much, Norman. Thank you, Neil and Vision Christian Radio, and to all your listeners. And thank you, thank you very much to Barbara. You endeavour to do. Thank you, Barbara. And uh, thank you so much, um, Neil and Brooke, and all the listeners. Um, May God bless you and um, all the listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.